Welcome back to Documentary First, an inside look at a documentary filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Jason Rugg, and joining us is our documentary filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hello, Jason. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Happy to see you. Yeah. I'm a little bit tired, so if I fade out or anything, like, <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> I'll pull you right back in. That'd be good. That'd be good. And then, uh, Christian, do you want to introduce us to our special guests? I do. I'm so excited about these special guests. So everybody, please meet Taylor and Chad Gilchrist. They um, are just a power duo in Chicago. Taylor is a producer. Chad is a cinematographer. They are incredible people. And we have an amazing story to tell because they were the ones that um, helped make our shoot happen for the Carenton Project. It's past June. It's been very hard to lasso them to get them here to this podcast, uh, but I invited them to my house. I put them up overnight and fed them, and so now uh, they have agreed to do this podcast. So. We'll do anything for food and credits, so. <laughs> and a warm bed. <laughs> yes. Well, it's great to have you here. I can't wait for us to share our story, uh, but first... How about an update from Jason Rugg? What's been happening in your life, Jason? Oh, wow. I was not, I was not prepared for that. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, one of my friends is um, back in town uh, for the first time. He just um, started at a TV station up in Milwaukee. Um, and so he's back in town for Christmas, that sort of thing. And um, we went and saw Violent Night uh, earlier today, which was fantastic. <laughs> it's the David so Harbour. I don't even know. David Harbour as Santa Claus. And it's basically Die Hard mixed with uh home alone <laughs> and it's incredibly violent and r-rated and oh man it was so funny and so good so i'm kind of coming off that high just like that was that was the highlight of <laughs> today so far <laughs> but now this is that's awesome here so that that's why I got well thank on. you yeah yeah fantastic well very nice to have you glad you're uh, had a fun afternoon and yeah. um thanks for for like uh, steering the ship last week, we lost Robbie, Robbie, we do miss you, but we're going to kind of carry things on. So uh, we're going to jump right in. We have a lot to talk about today. Uh, Jason, please feel free to ask questions at any time. Uh, but I'm just going to give a quick film update, which is basically not a lot has happened in the past week, uh, except for one exciting thing. So I mentioned last week that I had gone to the 101st Airborne Division and I had met with um, the public affairs officer there. And we talked about the Carenton Project and what maybe he could do to help us. Um, this week, when I talked to Cal, our writer, we talked about different things that we might be able to add to fill out the story a little bit. And one of the ideas that I came up with was interviewing 101st um, historians and or commanders of the units that liberated Carenton to get the military perspective of what would have been going through the minds of the people um, that were liberating the town. And this um, Daniel Matthews is the PAO for the 101st Airborne Division, and he was more than happy to um, figure out how to you know, coordinate with us to maybe do some of these recordings. So that was a super exciting thing. And he also, um, as we talked about my challenges in funding this Carenton project, he said, well, you know, there might be somebody that, you know, you might have some aligned interest with. I have these, um, this person that I know, and uh, she might be willing to talk to you. And I was like, really? Yeah. He's like, well, have you ever heard of Imagine Entertainment? It's, you know, by Ron Howard and Brian Glaze. I'm like, yeah, I think <laughs> I've heard of them. And um, 
So he's like, um, well, I know the chief of staff there, and I know they're wanting to find documentary contact content along the lines of what you're doing. And so I'll put you in touch with them. He did. Uh, they uh, wrote back and are interested in talking to, to me in January. And so I sent them an email to take a look at the girl who wore freedom. And hopefully you know, this is one of those things where, oh my gosh, this could be amazing. They really will watch the girl who wore freedom. They will want to talk to me about the Carenton project and the brave Dutch um, or nothing could come from it. So <laughs> we're going to have to see, we're going to kind of swing for the fences. I've talked to my team and we're going to really try to put together a pitch deck and maybe a little reel that we can show them of what we do and, um, and hope for the best. So that's the news for this week. That's that's one of those things with like every connection you get is like, okay, this could be amazing and change my life or absolutely nothing could happen. <laughs> it's like yeah. there's usually like no yeah. in between in this business. It's it's kind of insane. <laughs> it's true. The thing that was really exciting for me is that they did respond. So the chief of staff put me in touch with Sarah Bernstein, uh, who uh, is an amazing producer in her own right. Uh, Sarah Bernstein used to work for HBO documentaries. Now she works, uh, she's a co-president of the Imagine Entertainment documentary department. Uh, I just happened to watch the downfall of Boeing a couple of weeks ago. It was one thing that she produced. Uh, so uh, she's she's got a very impressive resume. And she wrote me right back and said she would look forward to watching the film over the Christmas holiday and talk to me in January. So I really am interested in seeing what they think about the doc at the very, very least. And, you know, you just never know. Yeah. But, um, and also nobody in this industry does anything over Christmas. So that's kind of <laughs> the fact that you got in, in, in the, the area where everyone says, let's circle back after the holidays that you got in, you're in the circle, yeah. <laughs> you're in the circle. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. That's cool. So, yeah. All, All right. right. Well, so why don't we jump in? Um, Tad, Tad. Tad and Shaler. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Have you guys been called that before? Tad and Shaler? Honestly, I've heard I've heard those those couple, you know, just, name iterations yeah. of, of times. Just when we did our BuzzFeed celebrity couple questionnaire. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Chad and Taylor, um, they did come out here. We haven't seen each other in quite a long time, and it, we really do love spending time together. Why they still love being with me is beyond me. I don't know, but I'm so thankful for their friendship. Um, and so we want to talk a little bit about how we became friends. How did you end up sleeping in my Normandy guest room last night? Let's go back all the way to the very beginning. Uh, and I'm going to throw that first to Taylor. So tell me how you first heard about, you know, documentary first. Yeah. So I remember Chad and I were kind of in a point during the quarantine right yeah. like this was 2020 um and you know you definitely have time to reflect on what kind of projects do we want to be doing how can we be you know finding momentum to pursue those types of projects and we both had a mutual desire to do more with documentary filmmaking um and I just remember a friend of mine, Emily Weinstein, who's a producer that I work with all the time. She had mentioned there's this other producer, Elise Jaffe, who has um, 
directed some documentaries and was currently working on a documentary project. Um, and she put me in contact with Elise just so we could, you know, network as as fellow producers. And so I could talk talk through her project with her and see if, you know, maybe there was something I could do to be involved with that or or what have you. Just pick her brain also about the process. So she and I got on a Zoom. Um, and I remember she sort of was going through her list of kind of inspiration or resources um, that helped her as a documentary filmmaker. And she told me about this podcast called Documentary First. And she said it's this woman who kind of tracks her journey of making a documentary for the first time. And I was like, well, I'm a woman who might be making a documentary for the first time. So maybe I should check out this podcast. And I remember sharing it with Chad too. Chad is actually a bigger podcast listener than I am, admittedly. Um, he's an auditory learner. I'm a visual <laughs> visual processor. So Chad can like listen to podcasts and also do a million things at once where I literally need to be sitting stagnant and doing nothing else in order to <laughs> retain any information. But we kind of, you know, when we would just go on drives or whatever, that's when we started listening to the documentary first podcast. And I remember Chad then just went on his own and just was listening to episodes beyond me. And I would make him like catch me up like, oh yeah, what, you know, what is she talking about? What are some of the things that she's been experiencing, you know, production problems or, or that kind of thing. And it was so fascinating as both of us being in the industry to kind of hear your experiences and follow that journey with you. Um, and I remember him saying, I think he had heard in one of the episodes that you had a like kind of a mutual connection, right? Wasn't it like yeah, someone like from VeggieTales? Yeah, Phil Vischer. Yeah. yeah. And so now I'll kick it off to Chad because I had essentially, I think I told you, I was like, well, you guys have this mutual kind of connection. I feel like that's a good segue to you know, hit up Christian on Facebook or wherever. I was like, I know we can, I know we can find her contact information and reach out. So. Yeah. Well, I, I think I've, I remember a conversation in our kitchen kind of talking about, you know, wanting to be involved in some of these, you know, projects more and doing things that are um, satisfying from a you know we do a lot of things that are like you know commercials or tv shows or whatever and and they're fine but um you know, they pay bills but we'd like to be able to take some of the the knowledge and things that we've learned working on on other people's movies and hopefully bring that to to people that are trying to do something good so um we reached out to christian or i, I reached out to christian on facebook because kind of we had similar beliefs and uh yeah, that's right christian knew phil vischer and my mom was like friends with his mom and it was just like a weird connection and i was like wait a minute that means she must live somewhere in illinois and then i and then i realized wheaton my parents live in roselle so i you know like grew up <laughs> down the street practically didn't know this person so i reached out on facebook sent a sent a message and 
Christian, you want to take it from there? Well, of course. Um, so I have no idea what you're talking about, a Facebook <laughs> message. <laughs> I never saw that um, at all. And um, I, I really, truly didn't until recently you sent me a like screenshot or something to prove that you had sent me a message. And I think you maybe did email me as well. And I did respond to your email like, Hey, I would like to meet you. Right. Isn't that what I, yeah. I, yeah. I think I sent, and, sent an email and it was, I think we just, you know, one of those things where it's like we reply and then life gets busy and then it, you know, the thread gets dropped and then, send another email, but it's probably when Christian was like in Normandy or, you know, something's going on. So a lot of like missed. Uh, like he was very discouraged, Christian. Yeah. He was very. I think I only responded to your email once and I said, I would love to meet you. And then you never heard from me again. That's typical. That's happened. You were not the first person that has happened to. That's happened a lot. I want to help. So, Let me help. <laughs> and so then the next thing that happened is we got a new supporter on Patreon. And I was like, so excited like oh my gosh we really are just desperately in need of patreon supporters and i was like that name sounds really familiar like i think i know this person and so i was looking back through my emails and i discovered like that he had written me like i don't know a year or so ago and i was like i said i would meet him and then i never did and i felt horrible so then i was like oh my gosh now i've got to meet him and so i set up a a time to meet him for lunch. And um, he graciously met me for lunch during that time. That was actually funny enough. We just figured this out. If you were listening to this podcast, three episodes previously, we aired a Thanksgiving episode from, I think, I don't know, last year or something like that. And that was an episode where I just talked about losing my cinematographer. And that's because um, Corey Lillard was supposed to come to us, uh, to, to Normandy in June to help shoot the Carenton project and then really couldn't. However, I had just had this lunch meeting with Chad and I was so impressed with him when I met him. I was like, I really felt like we were supposed to work together. And I was asking myself that as I left, like, because he's right. We share a common faith. We are both Christians. I, when I first met you, that was one of the things that you told me is that I talked about doing production differently um, and, and trying to be, you know, not crazy about how, about schedules and, you know, just attitudes and things like that. And so, you know, I was, I was really asking the Lord, like, am I supposed to work with this guy? Then Corey basically let me know he couldn't go. And I was like, well, does that mean I'm supposed to take Chad. So I was like, well, it can't hurt to ask. So I asked him, you know, Hey, would you be interested in coming to Normandy? And he says to me, I would be very interested, but, but I'm about to get married in like, I don't know, four weeks, five weeks, something like that. Really? <laughs> um, let me talk to my fiance and see what she says. And so what happened next? Yeah, I think I came home from the meeting and said, do, what, what, do you want to do a movie in Normandy? <laughs> yeah, and I just remember it being pitched as more of like, a, oh, we get to go on this D-Day experience trip and witness, you know, Christian kind of working with her crew and see if maybe we'd want to get involved further down the line in the project, sort of be 
I think almost I felt like it was pitched to me as like maybe like more of a consulting thing. Definitely. And and I definitely remember it being branded as like um like our pre-honeymoon. <laughs> De- yeah, we did. We definitely it was definitely branded as that. And to be fair, I think that originally that was kind of the the role that we were on to play. And that's true. And I do think that, you know, initially what I really was hoping was for you guys to come for Chad to shoot. Um, and it really, I was not expecting much. I mean, at that point I was thinking about just filming things on my iPhone. What happened was that Taylor is one of the best producers that I've ever worked for. And she came or worked with, and she came on this project with a ton of knowledge and, um, just we call it field IQ and my husband does in lacrosse, you know, she just had a ton of field IQ and she knew what she was doing. And the problem was we saw that with her input, it really could be elevated to something really great. And, um, and then at the same time, my life really spun out of control because if you recall, that was back in May and, and, was when all of the stuff was happening with Delta and Air France and them flying over Danny and Flo and us planning this whole 29 veterans, taking them back to Normandy and screening the film in Normandy for the first time. So I think I was trying to figure out how to do all these things at once. And I was just going to do them on my iPhone with just a few people, but this was an opportunity, I think, for Chad to shoot and get some really good footage and experience. And um, and I think that was exciting for you, Chad. And Taylor, you did jump in with both feet. I think you, you know, and I have had to apologize to this for this already this evening. That <laughs> I'm so sorry you got. Oh, it's um, okay. She's just poking. <laughs> no, I feel, yeah, I mean, I feel. Oh, no. It's totally, yeah. I we mean, like and I'll, I'll kind of jump in here too, because. I do think that I quickly realized, Christian, when we did finally have a chance to connect, you know, just how amazing and really once in a lifetime kind of energy that this experience had, you know, and Chad and I, we hadn't had too many other opportunities to work with each other beforehand just because of you know the nature of COVID and when when we had met each other and so you know just to share a little bit of my background too is I had I'd studied film and international relations and French and like my idea of like the perfect job was like putting that all together and doing documentary filmmaking and I was like this is literally putting together all of those things and doing it with my partner and and someone, you know, in Christian who does share these these faith-based beliefs that we do, it was just, you know, it was like all signs, all signs point to go. So it was kind of like there was no way that we were going to go into it like half, yeah, halfway or. And I think, oh, sorry to jump in as well but i I think also listening to the podcasts and excuse me and like hearing some of the hang-ups and things from the last time and then hearing that oh you know we're gonna go we're gonna bring these people but we're gonna shoot on our iphone you know 
to me, it's like the you know, I'm not a producer, but I, I live with one and I've, you know, been in the industry for a minute. So you hear, you hear those things, you know, the numbers and the efficiencies and you're like, well, you're going to be there. Your hard costs of flight and, you know, food and, and accommodations are already kind of taken over. And at that point, let's just, let's go for it and give you something that is, you know, hopefully um, additive to, to uh, the girl who wore freedom and Norm- Normandy stories and, you know, all these things. And, and uh, hopefully have a little piece at the end that can really elevate the work that Christian is doing and everyone else. And uh, yeah, we wanted to be a part of that. Yeah, I think that's really true. Ha- right. Having been listeners of the podcast to have heard what your experiences were on the girl who wore freedom and kind of hoping that, you know, if anything, we could help we could exactly like learn from what you had experienced or hear the, you know, maybe pain points you had and kind of make that better for, for this next time around. Um, and I mean, you really did give us freedom to, to just sort of be like, well, what about this? Yeah. We kind of came in, I mean, really probably from Christian's perspective, I'd love to hear this, but you know, we kind of came in and threw a little bit of a, wrench into the plans you know we came in last minute and i do want to say this um we wouldn't have even gotten that far far if it wasn't for mindy cook so mindy cook has been on the show before she has been one of my clutch team members for a very long time and she really was trying to figure out how to make this happen um she is working as well trying to make her way in the Nashville film market as a cinematographer she's one of the most talented people i've ever worked for very very good at her job and whatever she endeavors to do and she'd been a huge help to us um on this you know project and i i truthfully you know when mindy and i started talking about it we did originally you know start talking about just the mildest thing we could do Uh, And then she put a lot of time and effort into researching how to take it up just a little bit of a level. Totally. Mindy and I were at the spot of trying to figure out the different plans that we were going to, um, to go with. And I do think that you're right. Your experience and um, abilities leveled up the whole team, you know, to have you, Chad and Mindy working together um, both who know what you're doing, both good shooters, um, and the fact that I was really taken out of, you know, the production part of it because I just had so much else going on to have you, Taylor, pick that up, really level the whole thing up. And I think one of the um, amazing things I just want to give Mindy credit about is um, she just so humbly accepted um, participation, you know, with Chad and they work together to to figure out how they were going to work together um and so Mindy was fantastic yeah like she was she was killer actually i just texted her like two or three weeks ago i was at a film festival and up on the screen you know at the end at the credits they have all all these crew members dancing and boom there's mindy you're like what what you know i texted what i you know i took a photo as quickly as i could but um yeah no she was absolutely 
Phenomenal. And I would super recommend that if you are in the Nashville market and you're looking for a DP or a great AC, Mindy is your person. And I mean, she goes above and beyond. She flew in and with like no sleep, went to the rental house and prepped a camera package and then drove. In France, in France. (laughs) She doesn't speak French. But and oh, let's back up one second. And she was supposed to have a team member with her who went to the airport to get on the plane the day before and realized that his passport was expired. Yeah. And this team member who shall go unnamed, um, you know, was supposed to be our DIT person. I mean, there were supposed to be a lot of different responsibilities, but one of them was going with Mindy and getting all the equipment, et cetera, et cetera. And she ended up basically having to do all that by herself. I mean, I don't know where we would be without her. And um, she just gets huge props for, uh, for everything she did to set us up for success on the front end. And then when we got there and she, um, yeah. So I just give her huge props for that. Um, Yeah. So, okay. Let's jump right in to the pre-production part. Taylor, you and I were talking earlier about when you came in. I did basically say to you, I am very glad you are here. I really do need your help. I'm drowning and really not able to manage this. Can you help? And um, you gracefully said yes and took it on, um, you know, just like you took the bull by the horn. So talk about what was challenging for you um, because you really didn't have a lot of time to um, pre-pro this. So talk about what you faced. Yeah. And I think, you know, having just talked about Mindy is a great place to kick things off because she really was the main crew member that you had secured going into this trip. Um, And from there, I also, Christian, had kind of a list from you of additional people who I knew would be coming, some of them who had been a part of the girl who wore freedom, some who had not. And um, it was sort of a list of, it was, a, I guess, an eclectic bunch um, of like, quote unquote, crew members, some who had had no onset experience, some who, you know, this was sort of a passion for them, and maybe they'd done some volunteering or you know, it wasn't kind of like their main bread and butter where, um, you know, I, again, was so grateful to have Mindy as someone who could be a, a sounding board in pre-pro. Um, and again, she was seriously so amazing and so flexible, like generous with her time. Yes. Too. Yes. And so yeah. um, essentially, you know, Obviously, one of the biggest things is that this was an international production. We were going to be filming in France. Um, you know, and Normandy is not doesn't have like a a huge film market locally. Um, right. And so, so let me know. just kind of cut to the chase to get you where we need to go, not to interrupt. So yeah. sorry, but the bottom line is we had to make the first big decision about what are we going to do with equipment. Yeah. Like, are we going to take it over? Are we going to rent it there? Is there anything in Normandy? So I think you spent so much time early on trying to answer this question. Yeah. And so how did you go about that? And what was your ultimate answer? Yeah. So, and you know, that's the other thing too, when you're working with a, a, a certain budget, you have 
either limitations or a lot of freedom. Um, and so, you know, for this in particular, we wanted to make sure we were using like every cent the most efficient way possible. So I was really analyzing with, you know, Mindy's help because she had built out an initial gear package where it had assumed she would rent everything locally in Nashville and travel with all of the equipment to France. Um, and, you know, thinking about that, you're thinking about all of the cases she's going to have to check, um, you know, do we have someone who can help her in Nashville to transport all of that equipment, get it checked in and, you know, then transported once you're in France to Normandy. So, you know, that was one of our options. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't think that this is the most efficient and it sounds like it'd be a total pain in the arse for Mindy. So then I started doing research on um, rental houses in France and the most, again, obvious place was Paris where everyone would be flying into because Normandy, it was pretty quick after like a Google search that we were not going to be renting any film grade equipment locally or really within a couple hours. So um, what made most sense was to rent equipment from Paris, um, rent a vehicle to then travel that equipment to Normandy and back to Paris once we wrapped. Yeah, just so everybody knows the geography, it's about four hours. When you land in Paris, it's a four hour drive all the way to Normandy. Normandy basically is like farm country. I tell everybody it's like backwoods Mississippi in a sense. It's really just farm country. And there isn't a lot of big business there. There are cheese factories and butter factories and wine things and apple orchards. And that's what it's like. So it's very difficult to, uh, to do a production of this size. And, you know, also they don't speak English there. So I think the good thing was you did find somebody that spoke English, which was helpful for you negotiating. And then it was helpful for the team, Mindy, picking up the equipment, right? Right. And so um, the rental house that we did end up going with is TSF, um, which they are an international rental house. So Chad actually worked on a production where they, you know, supplied equipment. Where What was that? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's called The Killer. It's not out yet, but that's a, a David Fincher film. So I did that. I did the Chicago. Um, I did the Chicago stuff. And you know, the, the guys I was working with the camera, I have, have TSF stickers. So then when Taylor's clicking through, I'm like, Oh, that's the one. I know those guys. Cause yeah. I had just worked they, with we them. Knew they were credible. We knew that they were, you know, us having never been to this particular rental house in Paris, we just knew that they had the reputation that would, would mean we wouldn't have to worry about quality and, you know, professionalism and whatnot. And, and again, with them being international, all of the, um, you know, folks at TSF did speak English um, and communicating and building out quotes and going back and forth. And I mean, we built out a lot of different quotes to to price compare. Um, and the other thing that's really fascinating, too, is, you know, when you're working in an international market, they call things different names than we do here in the States. So metric system. Yeah. So every time, you know, I would get a new equipment list in, I would send it to Chad and Mindy and be like, okay, you guys need to really go through this with a fine tooth comb and make sure that we have everything you could possibly need. Because again, it's a four hour drive. 
from Paris to Normandy, like we need to make sure that we have everything, yeah. you know, before yeah. we we get there and and start filming. Um, and the other caveat that I just want to share is normally when you're doing like an international production, you would source someone who's called a fixer, which is basically a local producer, so to speak, in the area or region you're filming, who can basically be your um, kind of go to. They they have their own contacts in terms of crew and rental houses. They know all the um, they have the relationships exactly. in, in that in that market. You know, so much of of film is relationships. It's who you know and how long you've known them, and and the quality of of people. You know, is all based off of that. Yeah. So it's easy to come in and yeah, and have someone locally in that market. And yeah. So for you know, for anyone listening, it is that's normally kind of the first step on a production internationally is finding a fixer who can kind of connect you with with all of those like boots on the ground needs. Um, but again, we didn't really have the budget for that. So it was sort of like, you know, but again, it was kind of this really cool challenge of like just learning and exploring and researching and figuring out about this French market. And, um, you know, another thing besides equipment is crew. Um, and as I had mentioned, we did have people who were going to be joining us from the States. Um, and a lot of a lot of them would be acting more so as like production assistants on set. So, you know, we still needed some key positions filled, being like a sound mixer, um, an AC. You know, we wanted to make sure that we had those those roles filled, because, again, if we're one going to be spending money on renting equipment, then we also want to make sure that we have the personnel needed to execute, you know, this, this vision that we have. So again, Can I just stop you right there real quick, because I do want to go back to one thing you said, you were talking about, um, just pricing out all the different equipment lists. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I remember you guys wrestling with was the whole camera thing, because we wanted to, um, keep our costs down as much as we could. And Chad did have a camera. And so the question was, are we going to take Chad's camera or are we going to rent two new ones? And the question here, when you've got two cinematographers that don't work together, um, you also have to figure out what cameras are they familiar with? What cameras can they operate? And you want the look to be the same typically. So you want them working on camera that are compatible. Right. And ultimately, like, how did you solve that problem? Right. So, and again, it ultimately sort of came down to costs and what was going to be the most cost effective. And with Chad, you know, being an owner operator, having a red system, um, it did make the most sense for him to bring his red and for us to rent a red locally in Paris. Um, and Mindy, you know, what she did ahead of time is that she actually went into a Nashville rental house and tested out um, the, I think it was the red Gemini or red Komodo. Yeah. Our, our matching camera B camera was a, was a Komodo. Yeah. So she, you know, went in and, and just kind of, played around with that system before 
getting to Paris um, and and doing the camera prep there. So um, yet another clutch move by Mindy. I mean, yes, literally, she, literally, she, she went and in France, and thank goodness she had gone somewhere to figure yeah. out how to work that camera. She landed in France. She picked up the equipment and met me on the tarmac with you know, other team people to start filming our arrival. And she still got this brand new camera. I mean, and hardly functioning on any sleep. Truly, it was mind blowing what she was willing to do and able to do. Um, But I do think that you guys did a whole bunch of work on the front end, particularly you, Taylor, trying to figure out this puzzle of what equipment we're going to use, how to maximize the money that we have, and how do we do that with crew? So let's talk about crew real fast. Yeah, We did have Cal who had some film experience, um, you, Chad and Taylor and um, Mindy. We Chad, had our, <laughs> yes, we <laughs> miss you, Cal. Up, okay. um, we, and we did have a um, another like camera film school, you know, intern of sorts that was supposed to be there, but didn't get on the plane. So really we were super short staffed and we were missing some key positions. So how the heck do you staff a crew like that without knowing anyone? Right. Right. And so how I had started first in terms of sourcing local crew was reaching out to producers that I worked with here in the States and first checking if they had any crew contacts in France. So that's kind of how we started that. Um, And just reaching out, reaching out, getting a lot of no's, getting a lot of alternate names to reach out to, and just um, kind of going from there. And ultimately, the first person I was connected with who was available for the project was um, this sound mixer named Francois, who just was a total dream um and i you know it was like he was a referral from a referral so again i there were no producers that i had worked with personally who had worked with francois um and i you know emailed him about the project and and told him what was going to you know basically be happening in in carenton and um he asked to get on a Zoom with me and it turned into a two-hour Zoom where I now just had this new French friend <laughs> and like, honestly, probably like 10 minutes in, he committed to to coming to the project. So the additional wow. hours that we were on together were just, again, him being so, you know, kind of stereotypical French in like just being really kind of conversational and just yeah he just was so so awesome and I just remember that after that conversation just feeling like really encouraged because it was taking a while to find a sound mixer um and and someone of that level as well which was reassuring because you know yeah having a for me having a 
five minute conversation with him. You know, I'm painting walls at our house and I come down and Taylor's on Zoom. And an hour later, I come down still on Zoom. An hour later, it's like, okay, I got to meet this person now. So I jumped in and, you know, five minutes, have a conversation. And it's like, oh, we've worked with these people that are kind of similar. You've worked with this DP, I've worked with that DP, whatever. Yeah. So it's like very, for me, very reassuring, very calming that it's like, okay, we're going to have someone else yeah. that is very experienced and is doing this um for the love for the passion yeah and thank and god I for would... francois because he also brought on other like really amazing yes, members he like, was the one who connected us um you know he he brought his own boom operator he said you know here's, emily. yeah you know here's emily and she's someone that i work with and i would love to give her this experience um, and Tam, who was our AC, also came from Francois. I mean, it was just so amazing and really humbling to have someone join on this project, having never met us, um, and wanting to to elevate it, yeah. like similarly to how Chad and I came into it. And and the quality, I mean, the quality, like like if you need, if you ever need an AC in in France at large. Tam's 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 the call. Like he was fantastic. Emily, same deal. So yes. great. And both of them just had. I mean, our, all three of them. I mean, had just incredible energy. I, I think everyone on this project. Yeah. Was and that was really awesome to see. Was everyone got along? Everyone had really great attitudes. Everyone was trying to problem solve. Everyone was rolling with the punches. Yeah. Yeah. I have some fun stories about Francois also, which I would like to tell in our next episode. We've already been recording for quite a while now. Your stories are amazing. My computer's about to die. So we are (laughs) going to have to wrap this one up uh, and come back for a second episode. But real quick, I mean, like super quick, uh, we're going to do DocuView Deja Vu. All right. So Taylor, I would like you to share real quick one documentary and then uh, Jason's going to take us out of here. Okay, perfect. My documentary that I want to share is called Into the Deep. It was directed by Emma Sullivan. You can watch it on Netflix. Um, It's essentially a true crime documentary that is just really, really fascinating. And I don't want to give away any of the story because. It's just, I think it's really good to go into it knowing nothing about it. Why do you love it? I love it for the the storytelling aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you know, it starts off thinking it's going to be about one thing and then it quickly, quickly gets kind of Grabs taken you. over. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty shocking. It's pretty shocking, I'll say. Well, it sounds good. Thank you so much. You guys, it was awesome talking with you. We have so much more to talk about. Please come back. Uh, we really appreciate you being here. And um, Jason, back to you. All right. Uh, thanks for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you for listening, donating, and following along on our journey. We are supported by generous donations from people just like you. To make a donation, visit thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. 
or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash documentaryfirst. To learn more about our other works in progress, visit documentaryfirst.com or follow Documentary First on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. This podcast was produced by Documentary First, edited and mixed by Jason Hoban, with music by Jeff Kurtenacker.